Ghostly Thistle presents The Antique Shop Episode 35 The Storage There's a few places in the shop I haven't been. The rooms upstairs where the madam lives, each with her closed door and mysterious contents. One, at least, is a bedroom, one a kitchen, and the other the front room where the customers spill their secrets. As for the rest, I suppose I'll have plenty of time to explore them in the future. The only other place is storage. That enigmatic place mentioned every so often that contains even more horrors than the shop itself. The place where the cabinet in the front room draws its contents. I managed to answer at least one of the mysteries of the rooms upstairs. One of them leads to storage. But let's set the scene first. It's a full house, both of my familiars are in, playing checkers together. Kronos, uncharacteristically, is upstairs. I presume he's upstairs, because I haven't seen him since I arrived. I leave the roasters to their game and busy about the shop, until the bell goes and everyone's attention wanders. The customer that walks in is strange. They're confident as they stride over to the counter and stare expectantly at my familiars. Very few people stride into the shop. They didn't even stride out. It's usually a run or sprint. No hesitation, no questioning looks, no ogling curiously at the chaos. This woman knew exactly what she wanted, and it was to see my boss. Except there was no cart. I'd expected it to be lying on the glass counter, but there was nothing to find. I approached the woman from behind and she eventually honoured me with a glance. Her face crumpled into surprise before being replaced by understanding. She surmised aloud that I must be the apprentice and that she was here to see Madame Norna. Despite myself, I threw a look at Finn to check if he knew the woman, if there was recognition or distaste on his features. But he shrugged, and I felt rather than observed he didn't know her. I wonder if the rings will ever let me read his mind. On second thought, I didn't think I want that, just in case it's a two-way street. Realising this woman was impatient about her business with my boss, I led her past the roasters and up the stairs where the madam was waiting in the front room. This woman was perhaps in her thirties. The only thing he note about her was the designer handbag she had hanging for her shoulder. Just by looking, I couldn't tell what she might do for a living. She, in general, was a bit of a mystery. 
a normal person who knew enough about the shop to take me by surprise. When my boss greeted this woman by name, I wish I could say the pieces fell into place. She could be anything. The madam called her Lydia. Didn't need to offer her a seat because she strode with as much confidence to the sofa as she had through the door and told me we wouldn't be needing tea. Silence settled, unusually. My boss could sit there all day in silence if she wanted, without ever feeling that pressure of awkwardness. A master of silence. Lydia was not. Irritably, she stated that Norna must know why she was there, and what it was she wanted. There are a lot of things you want in this shop, my boss answered. Lydia almost rolled her eyes before she sat forwards and pulled out a drawing of a carriage clock. They look a bit like boxes, either a wood or gold, with a clock face on one side. They adorn the mantelpiece a many a home, although probably more are tucked away in lofts or gathering dust in the back of an antique dealer. I was surprised Lydia hadn't pulled out a photo, but a pencil line drawn with some shading. The clock pictured was a wee bit different to what I'd seen before. This clock, rather than box-like, was covered in a dome of glass, the pendulum swinging down for the clock face itself. Lydia asserted that she knew it was in the shop, that her trail had led her right to the madam's door. She was willing to part with a pretty penny if she could get her hands on this carriage clock. I began to suspect during this conversation that Lydia was a collector. Like Flora, but more aggressive. Where Flora had things drop into her lap, Lydia went hunting for them like a fox after a rabbit. I dreaded to think what this clock did and what else she had in her collection. I wasn't sure what my boss would say. I'd never seen her sell anything to a collector before. It seemed a requirement that you couldn't know what the object you bought for the shop did. So I was surprised when Madame Norna confirmed that the clock was in the shop, but that it was still in storage. I perked up at this word, the fabled and ever-mysterious storage that was hidden somewhere in the shop. I felt the madam's eyes shift over to me and I couldn't decide if I was nervous or excited. Maya can get it for you, she told Lydia. I was slow to get up, uncertain if this was a good idea. I knew at least one thing in storage. The monster jars. And if they were kept down there, then how much worse was everything else? Once I was standing, my boss told me to take either Reed or Finn with me, as it was easy to get lost when searching, and two sets of eyes were better than one. The refusal jumps out my mouth before I can stop it. I didn't say it aggressively, but it sounds defensive, almost petulant. It's not like I can usually tell what the madam is thinking, and this was no different. 
She nodded unreadably and told me that the door to storage was the last one on the left, down the corridor. So it was behind one of those closed doors up there. I suppose that's the only place it could be, but I'm kind of disappointed. I wanted it to be a bit like the wardrobe to Narnia or some vortex. Why is storage so boring when you can pop into the past through a hole in the shop's wall or by staring at a painting? A part Amy wanted to pack for the journey, take a few pieces of survival kit, rations, a tent, a flare. I didn't really know what to expect. If it was in one of the rooms, then it could be no bigger than a cupboard under the stairs. Perhaps storage wasn't as big as the shop itself. Perhaps there were fewer truly awful things in the world than I realised, and they would only need a small room to contain them. What an Egypt. I found the door at the end of the corridor, boring in its uniformity with all the rest. I opened it quickly onto a room full of clutter, similar to the shop. There were shelves on the walls that held glasses, tea sets, ornaments and decorations, sets of drawers and wardrobes shunted against the green walls, and miscellaneous tat strewn on the remainder of the floor space, save for one single aisle that led to another doorway. This one had no door and opened out onto another room filled with clutter. I took the path and passed through the equally chaotic room, and then another, until the final doorway I passed through opened into a warehouse. Maybe it wasn't as big as that, but it felt cavernous, with higher ceilings and rough stone walls that echoed every breath and footprint I made back at me three times over. There were no windows anywhere, not even in the ceiling. It should have been dark, but I could see as if there was natural light streaming in. Storage was just a bigger shop. Stuff was everywhere, with only a single narrow aisle winding its way past, into antique-made alcoves and special areas with bookshelves and racks of clothes. I felt like every antique in the world could be here. There were a few things I couldn't understand about this place. How was it so big when the shop itself wasn't? We had neighbours on either side, businesses with patrons, yet the storage sprawled out where they should be. The second was how the hell you found anything? I thought I'd seen a cabinet similar to the one in the front room, presuming they were mirrored somehow. Was this actually where the madam spent all her time? I didn't know what she got up to up here. I just assumed she read a book and waited for customers to turn up. Was she actually the one who changed the stock in the cabinet? It'd make more sense than my idea what she did with her time. If I got lost looking through the shop's various inhabitants, thinking how much time I could spend getting lost in here. Hundreds of years might just be enough. 
I had to remind myself I was in storage to look for something, although how I was supposed to find it escaped me. This wasn't as neatly arranged as a library, we numbered shelves and labelled items. Like the shop itself, there was no order here, only chaos. Although, having said that, there evidently was a theme to certain areas. There was one corner full of typewriters, another filled with war memorabilia, even more filled with just fur coats. Perhaps there was an area full of clocks? It was worth a try. At times, I felt a bit like Jason in the labyrinth, except I didn't have a string to show me the way out. I couldn't get lost in here, right? I got distracted, scanning round looking for a clock, so I didn't notice as I brushed against something and heard it smash on the ground. For fuck's sake, I'd been so careful not to touch anything. It was a glass jar filled with candle wax. Although as soon as it had hit the ground, I'd been assaulted by the scent of cinnamon and Christmas. I wasn't aware that a scented candle could be considered an antique, but it wasn't the strangest thing I'd glimpsed so far. Only the candle was left intact, the wick burnt down a few centimetres. It was too late for the glass. I tried to scrape it to one side, vowing to come back and clean it up once I'd found the clock. I took a few steps forwards and saw something else do the same. I say saw, but it was more like felt. That inkling you get when something moves at the edges of your vision. Some alcoves were created by large antiques, the biggest wardrobes you've ever seen, paintings that could only fit on the wall of a stately home. They created blind spots, Corners that you couldn't see around, but you could catch glimpses through the gaps in the chaos. It was through these gaps I noticed the movement. In a very unwelcome game, a Simon says, every time I moved, so did something deep in storage. A shadow, a cloud, I couldn't tell. Then, when I stopped... It kept moving, inching closer to the blind corner. Instinctively, I darted into another alcove, behind a set of drawers and amongst a sea of magazines and dolls' clothes. I held my breath, because it was deafening amidst the morbid silence. I listened for footsteps. Shuffles, even cracks a bone or muscle, as whatever it was moved towards me. But the silence remained. I dared a glimpse over the top of the drawers and saw it inching closer, about to round the corner where I was. Maya? It was impossible to tell where the voice had come from, but I knew it was Finn's. Just as it had snared my attention, it captured the shadows just as quickly. It disappeared through the corner, 
for between the gaps I was peering through and fled in the opposite direction. I quickly realised I had no idea where I was. I'd thought the exit was behind me on the path, but Finn's voice had come from the opposite direction. I heard another voice, gruffer, calling out to me. Both of my familiars had been sent in here, no doubt to get me. How long had I been in storage? It could only have been 20 minutes at the most, and that was starting to be enough. The more their shouts echoed, the easier it'd be for that creature to find them. Fate knew what it would do. Storage was where the real monsters were kept. I had to warn them. I darted from a hiding spot and ran in the direction of their voices, hoping it wouldn't be too late. What was once clear parallel paths soon became a labyrinth of antiques and memorabilia, making it near impossible to navigate. Had I seen that gramophone before? Was that hat box no on top of a wardrobe and no the floor? I should have been more careful. Should have noted items I could use to feel my way out. I had no other option than to follow their voices, desperately shouting at them to run in the hopes they could hear me as clearly as I could hear them. I eventually rounded the last corner and saw them both standing in the path in front of me. There was nothing else around. No shadows, no bared teeth, no frosty presence. I almost let myself exhale. Then it slid past me. A brief breath of air on my cheek as it shot its way towards my familiars. Made a shadow, it was difficult to see if it slid along the ground or moved in the dark places created by the antiques. With a snap of someone's fingers, my familiars were sucked down paths and into alcoves by long black wisps of shadow. It was everywhere and nowhere. One moment they stood there, the next I heard the crashing of antiques and the desperate grunts as they both tried to free themselves for their bonds. The gasps a breath, the choking sounds filled the air, cutting through the silence like a scalpel through flesh. What did I do? How was I here again? How many more times was I going to watch those two get injured or attacked by some arsehole? Why was it that I could do nothing? Against monsters, against fate itself? Was I really this powerless? Enough! Enough. I shouted to the empty air, to all of the antiques and to every single thing in storage that thought they would crawl for their nests and hiding places. My voice kept going, bouncing off of each stone wall, curving round the ceiling and wrapping round each item and trinket. The air became thinner, the echo lost its edge and the atmosphere became static like the night before a thunderstorm. The room tilted round me, bent where I wanted it to, and I could feel something drawing near, summoned by my voice. It struggled and squirmed, trying to escape from my strange electric orbit. Electric orbit.
It didn't succeed. Every inch it got closer to me, it shrunk. I watched its strange tentacle limbs, its once grinning face bearing jagged teeth, and its single black eye collapse in on themselves until the creature was no bigger than my thumb. And that's where it ended up. I've seen moths make less mess. A sudden wave of fatigue rolled across my mind and I remembered reading Finn. I didn't know where they'd ended up, so I began calling their names in desperation. Finn was the first to answer and I followed his voice to the path he'd been dragged down, trying to grasp onto any of the larger antiques as an anchor. He's peeling himself from the ground, inspecting his favourite shoes for damage. He confirms to me that he's unhurt. I haven't heard Reed's voice. Following the other traily debris, I finally see Reed's legs draped over an upturned set of drawers. They're no moving. He's no moving. My heart's never stopped before, but I swear it did then. I clamber over the mess, standing on hings and barely hearing them crack beneath my weight. Once I manage to get to him, he's covered in red, smattered on his clothes, his skin and dripping for his hair. Viscous crimson liquid pooling on the ground beneath him. His eyes flutter open and he groans in pain. I frantically tell him no to move hearing my voice crackle in desperation. I ask him where he's hurt, or where he hurts the most. I tell him no to worry and that we'll get him help. The madam will know what to do. Words are tumbling out as I'm desperately trying to find the source of the blood. He's trying to speak, opening his mouth before I cut straight through. Eventually he grabs my arm, shaking it gently, and says he's fine and that the red stuff is nae blood. I stare blankly, no really comprehending what he said. He indicated to some broken glass at his side, red waxy liquid oozing onto the floor. A broken lava lamp. Reed kicked it over, trying to get free, and had covered himself with the red wax in the process. Gingerly, I begin prodding the red stains on his clothes and realise they're starting to harden, transform from a deep crimson to a rosy pink. I started greeting then, the hardening wax going bloody as tears filled my eyes. I hated it. No the crying, although that wasn't exactly fun, but hated the feeling of helplessness. I always knew I was useless in the shop, the class Egypt who never knew anything. But I hadn't cared before. Knew I had people to care about, and I couldn't stand that I might be too slow to help them or save them. I couldn't protect them for fate, and I might not be able to protect them for the things in the shop either if I kept going on the way I was going. I was ugly crying, I could tell wailing like a weeping widow in a drama. 
so loud that Finn came over and began to blame Reed for it. I tell them both everything about my encounter with fate, what I'd been doing in the shop and to customers, and to the fact that Reed's accident had been all my fault. The distance I'd tried to keep for them in the last few months had been because I hadn't wanted them to be hurt due to my mistakes. We three sit on the floor, somewhere lost in storage, cross-legged, some of us wishing we had a tissue. Finn uses my sleeve to dry my face and confirms that I am, indeed, an Egypt. He says no one signs up to be a madam or apprentice's familiar thinking they're going to be baking and sprinkling fairy dust onto baked goods all day. They both knew what the shop was, what fate was when they agreed to be my familiars. It also wasn't my job to protect them, just like it wasn't theirs to protect me. No anymore, at least. Reed frowns darkly, agrees with Finn for the first time in history, and makes us each promise the other that we won't keep secrets. We all promise. No pinkies involved. But the two heated ring on my finger goes frosty for a few seconds. I assume there's been a new clause added to our familiar apprentice bond, and I'm concerned what the penalty will be if one of us breaks that promise. We pick ourselves up off the ground and I follow them out of storage. I tell them I haven't been in that long. They exchange a concerned glance and tell me it's been nearly two hours. Shite. Just as we're about to leave, the door to the corridor in sight, I stop and growl in frustration. I never found that bloody carriage clock Lydia had come for. Finn, who's behind me, pushes me out the door and closes it behind him. He reaches into his pocket and pulls out a clock that looks like the one I'd been sent to find, only smaller. By the time he puts it in my hands, it's regular sized. Reed and I glance between the clock and the wyvern, bemused. Finn winks, pats me on the heed and walks aft towards the front room. Storage despite its mess and size and potential for dangerous creatures, is interesting. Does time move differently, or did I just get carried away? How is it even there? I'd like to go in again, but it might be a wee while. Just until I get my courage back. There's a few... Oh no, this is going to be difficult. No hesitation, no questioning looks. Oh, (laughs) typo. (laughs) That silence was me going, what is that word supposed to be? But it wasn't the strangest thing I'd glanced so so far. (laughs) Oh no. Reed kicked it over trying to get free and could... (laughs)
Thank you for listening to episode 35 of The Antique Shop. Episode 36 will be released in four weeks' time. (laughs) I don't know the date of that, but yeah, four weeks from today. So yes, small announcement, I will be taking Christmas off. So 36 is supposed to be released in the week between Christmas and New Year. I want to say the 29th, the 30th, 31st. I genuinely don't. So it's somewhere between those dates, apparently. I am going home for Christmas for the first time in two years, so I want to spend that time with my family and relaxing as well. So I have recorded this a few times in the last five episodes, like a, a life update, and every time I do, I end up deleting it and just not putting it in the episode. Obviously, the last life update is my PhD. Yes, I it was confirmed this week by the Senate. Yes, my university has a Senate, like Star Wars. They have confirmed my award, so I yes, I am now officially, officially Dr. Ghostly Thistle. <laughs> and thank you for all your congratulations uh, messages. That is very kind of you. The second thing is that I got a new job back at the beginning of November. So yeah, it's not that long ago. So I started a new job in November. If you're thinking that, did you not just start a new job last year? Yes, I did. It was shit. I hated it and I quit. (laughs) So this year has been quite difficult for me on quite a few levels. And that's all I'm going to say because I've tried to go into detail about this so many times after episodes and I just think it's just too much shit. I'm not a touchy-feely person. I don't like pouring my heart out, so I'm not going to go into detail. But yeah, this year has been very difficult, partly because of my PhD and partly because of the job that I was in. So I was working in another university, like a new university to me, and I was doing something very similar to what my PhD had been and what my training has been in, but it was just awful. It, it, It was an awful job. It was such a toxic work atmosphere and I got myself really stressed out and I made myself quite ill over the summer. And I decided that that was enough. I, I'd had enough of that job. So I quit in September, the beginning of September. So I had a few months off from the beginning of September to mid-November when I started my new job. I am no longer an academic. I, thank God. <laughs> yeah. I am no longer an academic. Although with a PhD, I suppose you are always, maybe you're always an academic if you have a PhD. Anyway, sorry, I'll I'll rephrase that. I have stopped working in academia, which is ironic. I love how the instant I get my actual PhD, I stop working in academia. Almost makes it not worth it. (laughs) So yes, I'm no longer working in a university. I'm working for a company now. I wanted a bit of a break from academia because it's, it's also relatively toxic sometimes. Uh, So yeah, so yeah, I've started a new job and I haven't been home for Christmas in two years. I did manage to get home when I had some time off uh, back in, I think it was October, but I was only for a few days, so I kind of want to spend a bit more time um, in my hometown, essentially, which isn't really hometown considering it's Glasgow, (laughs) but that's my hometown, it's fine. Uh, So yeah, I won't be releasing an episode between Christmas and New Year. I do apologise. I I do understand that there's a lot of people that have time off and they like catching up with podcasts and stuff. So I do apologise for that, uh, for not having an episode 
being released or not having a special episode because I'm yeah I won't be doing a special episode either um because I did one last year I just kind of want the time off to kind of relax and prepare for the new year because my work is going to start getting a bit busier in the new year because my training will have finished so I'm, I'm training at the minute in my new workplace um, but my training will finish by the new year and then they're going to put me straight into quite a big project so I, I kind of want some time off before that and I'll also be moving in the new year <laughs> oh yeah I'm going back to Scotland I never I never told wow what a detail to absolutely miss uh, yeah the company I currently work for is in Scotland I'm working remotely at the minute but they are quite eager for me to move there essentially so I'll be moving back to Scotland <laughs> for the first time in six years so yeah I'm going back <laughs> I won't be the only one that speaks weird anyway yeah so I'll be I'll be moving in the new year hopefully as well it, given everything kind of everything in the world stays a relatively stable yeah I'm not well, well you know what I mean <laughs> in summary the new year will be quite busy for me so I want to take some time off at Christmas just to kind of prepare for that and to relax a wee bit before the shit hits the fan so yes I, I do I do very much apologize for that but I have released 30 odd episodes already you've got the Christmas special from last year that you can go and uh, re-listen to I do apologize about the special from last year I've had a few people (laughs) it's definitely my fault I set the Christmas special episode before episode 20 so I think I'd released episode 1 to 20 before Christmas last year and yeah and then obviously I released the Christmas episode and then 21. So obviously read, well, if, you, if I was going to say spoilers, but if you're here listening to this, you probably already listened to the rest of it. So yeah, read, in fact, no, actually, I'm not going to spoil that. So yeah, something happens in episode 20 that obviously has not happened in the Christmas special. The reason is that the Christmas special is set before episode 20. That is why that's happened. <laughs> God, trying, trying. Yes, yeah, so no... No episode in two weeks, but in four weeks. So I'll see you in a month. And yeah, happy, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. I hope, I hope, yeah, I hope all of you get to spend time with your families and your friends. And I will see you after the new year.